Hi, this is the Curious Kaki Show. My name is Sam, and I'm Yvonne. If you're new here, welcome. And for our returning listeners, thanks for listening with us. And on this episode, we have Roshan and Ravi from the Malaysia Underwater Sports Federation. Roshan is the national head coach and president of the Malaysian Underwater Hockey Association and represented Malaysia in the 2019 SEA Games. Ravi is the president of Malaysia Underwater Sports Federation and Malaysia Fitness Swimming Association. Hi Ravi. Hi Roshan. Hi, Thank Sam. you for coming on to our show. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Um, so, so nice to meet you guys. This is my first time actually talking to anybody related to uh, underwater sports or you know, swimming associations in Malaysia. I don't really meet many people in my circle with that. So um, could you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about underwater sports in Malaysia? Uh, where are we at currently? Mr. Ravi, you want to go first? Uh, okay. I, I, I'm also a paddy scuba instructor running my own scuba diving academy and uh, currently actually in uh, underwater sports it's still uh, at a very baby stage we are slowly okay. progressing yeah we are slowly progressing but aggressively we are progressing oh. uh, that that's a very key point there even though we are new we are moving quite aggressively now. and uh, right right now under the underwater sports uh, underwater sports we have uh, underwater hockey and following up soon will be rugby underwater rugby and uh, a few more underwater sports lah that's coming up yeah, Ro- Ro- roshan can add more to this underwater because actually he he's one of the core person i i would say currently the person who's actually championing the underwater <laughs> sports in this country yeah oh i see okay and give a better insight on uh, on that roshan uh, hi guys roshan here so yeah uh underwater it all started in malaysia with underwater hockey uh underwater hockey is actually not i mean for most of you all it might be something new but it's actually not really new it has been uh, hmm. in the world since 1954 it started in uk okay so in malaysia uh, we had our friends from singapore Uh, I mean, they have been playing underwater hockey or other underwater sports for quite some time. So they ventured to Malaysia uh, in August 2016, together with uh, a swimming academy called Swim in 12, with a diving academy called Sea Monkey, based in Petaling Jaya. And they did this uh, introduction uh, session with a oh. trial session for uh, their students, their members, and their coaches. So uh, during that time, I used to be working as a coach in the Swimming 12 Academy. So I joined the session, the trial session as well. And it was something new and, and, and unique to me. So I kind of fell in love with the sport quite easy. So like, if you're a swimmer, you have always been swimming on the surface. And when you go underwater, it, they will normally say it's a whole new world down there. Whole new world. Yeah. Like school and everything, yeah. Yeah, so when we, when we started playing the sport, Uh, you know, the concept of a team sport underwater is something new for most of them since swimmers are always just swimming on their own. And now you have to do a team sport underwater. And the most unique part is you have to hold your breath so there's no communication underwater as well. It's just with your uh, visual skills 
and understanding body movements. So we had to, you know, adapt to your teammates and play the sport. But over time, uh, you know, we didn't have proper facilities or there was not much awareness for the sport. From having about 15 players, there was only three of us playing the sports for the next one year. So our first competition was in uh, March 2019 itself. We went to uh, Manila. It's called Manila Invitational. And that's when we got to play with some previous world champions. Uh, there was about 16 different countries there involved. And we lost quite badly. The first game, we lost like 23-0. So like we, we kind of learned like, you know, uh, what we were doing was more like recreation, but we were not at the pro category yet. So once we came back uh, and we got to know that SEA Games was coming up the same year at the end, we had a lot of catching up to do. So that's when uh, we started, you know, doing proper recruitment drive, creating awareness about underwater sport, meeting up with the rightful people in the ministries to uh, set ourselves out there. And by, uh, I think it was around June, July, we had about 26 or 27 athletes to select from. And we had to select 24. We went for our very first SEA Games on uh, November 2019. Uh, we lost. We got fourth place out of four teams of four countries which played. But that was practically the stepping stone for underwater sports in Malaysia. When training for sports, right? Yeah. Uh, three components. There's the physical part, you know, strength conditioning. There's the technique of the sport. And then there's the mental part of the sport as well. What in the training uh, does the athlete achieve in terms of the mental training? What separates a, a good athlete or a successful athlete mentally from an athlete that's mediocre or a poor athlete? Okay, for me, right, uh, since I used to do triathlons and when I used to coach people for endurance sport, uh, yeah. for me, it's 80% mental, 20% training. That's how I train my athletes. Uh, a lot of people won't agree with me. They talk about 80% being trainings and uh, specific trainings and then 20% mental. For me, it's the other way around. It's because okay. when you give up mentally, you can never do any kinds of sport. No matter how talented you are, it's not going to guarantee you to bring back a medal. True. It all starts in your mind, in, 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 in uh, making your mind to even committing yourself to train that hard to achieve what you want to achieve. That's true. So... Uh, I might be a little different than other coaches out there. I, I get that a lot from my athletes now. Uh, I'm a bit of an old school athlete because I used to be an athlete previously with these uh, older coaches out there. And mm. they are the guys which, you know, uh, implement strict punishments if you're late and they, they put priorities for your attendance and these kinds of stuff. Mm. And, and that kind of build, uh, build an athlete which is quite hardy. No matter mm. how you get hurt out there, even you get injured, you still want to train. Well, mm. now the new generation of athletes, you have the slightest cut on your feet. You don't want to be in the pool any longer. Mm. You, you're trying to find the easiest way to you know, rest out of your training. Like mm. I get that a lot with my athletes now. When you give them like six sets to do, and by the time they reach the fourth set, they're like, uh, coach, I have another session later. You know, I'm getting tired now. Can we do five sets or can we stop now and all of this stuff? So I, I, I tend to implement a lot of uh, mental coaching as well. So like uh, if let's say my session is about two hours, I end the session at about uh, an hour and a half. And I spend about 30 minutes talking to them and trying to make them realize that, you know, if you are here training for SEA Games, what is your commitment level supposed to be like? Mm. What are you supposed to 
be training like? Uh, how are you going to set your goals? Even now, when we do our land trainings, uh, I do spend like 10, 15 minutes at the end. We do a mental visualization. I put on some music on the bag, you know, you try to walk them through, try to make them imagine them winning something, going up the podium, collecting the medal. So it kind, it kind of build their motivation to train much more harder. Mm. And uh, it took me about three weeks to work with this new group of athletes, which was passed on to me for fin swimming. Uh, they all came from swimming background. They were all state swimmers. Yeah. But when we start to change their training sets, they, they, they had a hard time adapting to it. Like some of them used to do like maybe a few hundred uh, meters swim in a day. And now we are giving them like 3km to 5km oh. swim sets. And they were saying like, you know, I'm just going to swim 50 meters. Why do I need to do such long set? And it comes to the part like, if you can do 5km and then the 100 meters is going to be nothing for you. Yeah. Okay, because your body can adapt to it. Mm. But if you are going to do 100 and you keep training 100 every single day, mm. it's like that is your limit. The 100 is your limit. Yeah. You haven't pushed yourself beyond that. Mm. You know, like those days, coaches will tell you, like, if you hit the wall, you want to go beyond that, you end up puking, mm. you end up collapsing and all. I'm not going to get my athletes to start puking and all, but I'm just going to make them push themselves outside their comfort zone. Mm. So that distance they want to do within their comfort zone is going to become easier for them. Mm. So to do all of this, 80% mental preparation is very much required. Mm. Eight years ago, I got into an accident. I broke my knee and I went to see this doctor in the hospital. And he said, like, you know, no way you're going to come back to do sports. It is the end of your athletic career. Uh, I went into depression and about two months after that, I started playing futsal back. Mm. And about six months later, I went and ran my first 15km run. And after that, I continued training. I have done uh, two half Ironmans. I have done about uh, 15 uh, Olympic distance triathlon. Uh, yeah, I went to SEA Games to play underwater hockey. It was always hard to train back because like when I was training for SEA Games uh, in my team, I was like 34. And then all the other forward players were all like in the age of 20s, uh, 15. And these guys were perfect. No injuries, nothing. They were super fast. I, I can only kick with one leg mm. and I have to kick two times the speed to keep up with all of them to play forward. And you know, trainings were so hard and being older, your recovery is also slower. And when we used to have this uh, five continuous days of training, like we will train up to 11 p.m. at night and then next day morning at six, we have to be back at the pool. And you know, body was like so sore, you're unable to eat and digest fast. And the only reason I was able to, you know, go through all of this and get myself into SEA Games was mental. I, didn't, I just didn't give up. Mm. And I was there fighting with the younger guys. At the same time, uh, what I was doing was actually motivating most of my other friends who were almost giving up. Mm. So that mentally boosts them as well, that if this guy with the broken leg can do it, why can't I do it? Mm. And on my first day meeting up this new bunch of athletes for fin swimming, I told them the same thing. I said, you guys are still young. You guys are so perfectly built. You guys can push yourself and go beyond to achieve something. If I can kick a fin with one broken leg, why can't you kick fins? Mm. You know, and then they are like, okay, coach, I'll challenge myself. Let's try it. You mm. know, you get to motivate them. So if everyone goes out with this mindset or this mentality, mm. I think, uh, you know, achieving something great is not going to be that hard. Mm. Yeah. I... How would you describe that mentality? Is it just don't give up? What is that? core of it that keeps you going that you that at the end of it you say i i still want to do this 
uh, they call me a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, a lot of people think that I'm actually crazy. Uh, like e e even my own family, like my dad, my my sisters, they used to think that you know I should start slowing down. I should give up. I should mm. you know take a break. Yo, I'm I'm already 34 now, and they said like you know it's 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 okay. It's time to you know accept defeat and retire. But it was just shocking for my family that uh, 2019, I'm still able to go into SEA Games, right? And then uh, my biggest motivation has always been my mom. Uh, she has been, mm. she's actually a cancer patient. She just, she just passed mm. away like a month ago. Mm. And uh, she used to train with me and she used to, she was the one who encouraged me to do sports. Mm. And uh, when I see her, you know, when, you know, she had bone cancer. So it's, it's a very painful thing to go through. And with all this pain, she will still like cook for us and she will still mm. come out and greet us. She will still try to go out for a walk or she'll try to sit on the bicycle, you know, the 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 the, the training bicycles, the treadmill. Mm. She used to go and do some exercise. And even she's so weak, I used to get her all this elastic band. She used to do exercise on bed. And if someone, you know, going through such pain could actually, you know, keep themselves motivated to train, why can't we do it, right? Wow. You know? Mm. So like yeah. that is the kind of uh, motivation it is to set. Like most of the time when I'm training my athletes, I put for them music like it's uh, a motivational kind of music or there's motivational talk on the back. And I ask them to train like a beast or not train like a monster. You want to yeah. train like you're crazy enough to achieve what you want to get. You need to work for it hard. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, most people will think that I'm crazy, but <laughs> that's it, how it, it is. It, 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 it's actually not the crazy Roshan. Huh. It's the desire. Desire. Yeah. The desire when, when you desire something so much, you will stop at nothing. Yeah, mm. that's that's the thing. The desire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I can tell that you know you, I mean, Roshan Ravi, you guys are very passionate about like going the sports and also coaching your athletes. Like, how do you think um being a coach has shaped you, or what have your athletes like taught you about life, for example? Mr. Ravi, you want Actually, in, in my personal experience, I've grown up that when I go for something, I don't actually train because I, I just want to go and get a medal and come or I just want to win something. I train most of the time because I want it for myself. Mm. I want to have the sense of achievement for myself. I want to show, like, like mm. in my scouts, that, that team of 10, right? Nine people are physically super fit. During my school time, I, I was nowhere nearby uh, with them, you know. I don't have my six-packs or I don't even have a lean body. Mm. I was the odd one out there. But even though being the odd one out there, the training, the mental preparation that I had, made me become part of the team and I was able to do a lot of things that in, until today some of them can't even do okay so that uh, that experience that moments that I went through in my my younger days when I bring it down to this uh, coaching like during my in my own uh, classes and all that I don't train I don't even tell them that you know you should go for the victory I tell them you need to find out what you want first. Once you find out what you want, and then you do what is necessary to develop that. Mm. Stop and nothing. In fact, I, I, I think that 
uh, that thing has built my character. When I go out, even now in the associations, we do have some issues with the uh, sports commissions and all that. So right. with such issues, I'm not a person who say that I want to get this done. Uh, and then you say, no, I'm not the person who say, oh, okay, um, we can't get it done. It's okay. I always ask, how about this? How about that? I don't stop at anything because, like I said, my desire, I want this to happen. So I'm not going to take from you no as an answer. I want to take from you what can we do to get that. I want that. Mm. So that's how the, the my, my students, my athletes also, uh, I'm training them. I tell them when they say, you know, like my underwater hockey uh, players, right? The first time they went, they said, coach, it's not possible for us to go underwater end to end, you know? Yeah. It's not possible. So I said, if it's not possible, if you say it's not possible, if you say it's possible, perhaps there's a chance for you to do it. Wow. And today, and today they are doing underwater and they are so proud of it. And when the new athletes come in and they cannot do this underwater thing, these players of mine, the, the so-called seasoned ones, mm -hmm. they are telling them, this is very easy. You just need to know that you want to do it and you can do it. Mm -hmm. So this this is how I, I bring them, I, I bring my experiences to them in this way. Mm -hmm. So I think Roshan can relate this very well. Uh, a coach like himself, who has the experience why why actually i have to say this is our underwater hockey association and uh, fin swimming association it's very lucky to have him as the coach uh, uh fin <laughs> association as well because if you get a coach who's always thinking about what's the medal i'm gonna get which is currently mm. the scenario in this country unfortunately uh, i don't care anything i just want to know what medal i'm getting Mm. when the coaches go in that you're not going to develop the sports you're not going to develop the player what you're going to do is you're going to just uh, focus on one particular athlete because you know that person is going to bring for you the medal uh, you're, not right. going to, you're not going to develop them whereas we have coach like uh, excellent coach like uh, uh, what, he, <laughs> what he is doing now is he's actually a medal is secondary he's mm. actually putting into all these athletes making mm. them that they can achieve something making them realize that they can achieve something and uh, training them with with no sense of uh, a reward of thinking that you know okay i'm going to train this person more because i think he's going to bring the medal mm. he's training them to make them believe that they can achieve something great Mm. The result of that may be a medal, mm. but that's a deep thing. That the result of their action may be a medal, and if a medal comes back, that's a bonus. Mm. By the end of the day, the athlete grows up to know that they they are actually exploring their abilities that they mm. have not known that they have before this. Mm. <laughs> so, so that that is something. Yeah. It's, it's really important that like, you have to yeah. I see. It's not it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, for, for, for me for me, coaching was just a passion. Uh, mm. my, my my background I used to be uh, involved with computer science, so I used to do uh, 
uh, supports for uh, computers and then I was working with uh, computer storage uh, mm. and then just one day I decided to quit it. I started to become mm. a social entrepreneur. I started to build businesses on my own and you know right after I quit my job I started to play more sports right after my accident and all right. So when I started to do more sports and I kind of realized that the the now new generation of coaches was just seeking pride out there. Yeah. Some of them with no qualifications, nothing. Mm. They just go, uh, you know, work with some academies out there, just become like a freelance instructor or a teacher, and then they call themselves as a coach. Mm. And they were kind of, you know, following modules and just teaching them, okay, you do A, you do B, you do C, and they don't let them explore beyond that. And mm. that is actually limiting your athlete. Okay. So, and, and what I did was uh, I, I started... Uh, doing a few projects on my own. Uh, I used to coach, like during my college, I, I started a football club for Taylors. I used to coach, manage and play football for Taylors. So I started coaching at that time. And then uh, when we used to do athletics in school, uh, like when I was in Sabah, I was doing athletics in Form 5. I used to get paid to teach athletics to the neighboring schools as well. So like oh. I started coaching from a very young age, actually. So like when I, I used all the knowledge I had and then the connections I had with my ex-coaches and all, and I tend to ask a lot of questions, uh, it's a never-ending process of learning. Uh, mm. I've done, I'm, I'm actually going now to my, do my level three sports science to get my license, to get an A license for coaching. Oh, wow. And, okay. and, and with all of this, one thing I realized was educating your athletes and making them adapt to their body. Uh, you can do any kinds of sports you want to do, but if your body cannot adapt to the stress you're putting on your body, you're tend to going to get injuries later or sooner. Yeah. And a lot of pro athletes, you see, right, when they reach a certain limit, they get injured and that's it. They retire. They can't come back. Mm. So, like, this is all, you know, it comes down to proper uh, adaptation to your body, proper conditioning. And you have to educate or you have to teach them the science behind why are you making them do this. So most coaches, you see, they will just come to the pool and say, okay, this is today's set. Okay, go and do this. Done. Mm. And they don't get feedback. For me, it's two-way feedback. Even I tell my athletes, like, don't waste your time calling me coach. Call me, like, Roshan. I'm also an athlete. I'm still going to be training with you guys. Some days, I get into the pool, I train with them. Mm. And most of my training sets, I tend to test that set on myself first yeah. to see whether I can do it before I give it to them. Mm. But there's a lot of people who will actually write sets and they'll say, okay, now nah, do this. And they, they don't even know the stress, the amount of stress they're putting on their athlete. And, mm. when, uh, and, and when we teach or when we coach younger athletes, when they do not like something, that's the end of it. They're going right. to quit sooner or later. And you don't want them to start hating the coach or you don't want them to start hating the sport. And that's why you lose athletes. So mm. like you want them to stay in love with the sport. At the same time, you want to teach them more knowledge. You want to teach them the science to why you're doing this. And at the same time, you educate this athlete. They will know whether they're doing things rightfully or wrong. Mm, and, and most of the athletes now, they don't train with one coach. They, they might have uh, you know special trainings with other coach out there. So, And then it comes to a point where I, I have athletes now which goes back to the other coach and you'll tell, uh, coach, you're actually doing this wrongly, scientifically, this, 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 you cannot do. And then the coach is like, who told you this, you know? So mm. it's stuff, stuff like that, you know, enlightening them, teaching them. I always wanted to be a teacher. And now I kind of, yeah, you know, you got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> relating sports with coaching and I'm actually still teaching. You have very like Roshan kind of people are all very rare people 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, why I, I'm not saying that because uh, I know him. I'm saying that because I have seen in my experience so far uh, the number of people who are actually training. Okay. For example, let's go to my my state uh, swimming. I've seen coaches, just state state coaches, you know. They are not from our country anyway. They are from a foreign coach sitting down there. Swim sets is given and they are just with their phone. People are doing their set. Mm. And when the set is not done, they just take their cane and hit on the table. Pop, 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 pop. Move it, move it, move it. That's about it. So the, the relationship between the coach and the athlete, the desire for the coach to see the athlete developing is no longer there. For them, is I've given this, I want this written. You cannot give me, you get out. It's no longer of the coach trying to develop them. Same goes with the Ministry of Sports. It's no longer that the Ministry of Sports coming out and saying, okay, we have 100, 200 over national associations. We give 200 over national associations the equal amount of funding mm. that they can equally grow. It's no longer that. I'm going to put more money in the football, for example, because I know football, I can generate back more revenue. Mm. Whereas uh, underwater hockey, what's that? Um, mm. Maybe I'll just give them $1. <laughs> maybe even that I'm not going to give because I don't know what's going to happen to my $1. Yeah. So that's what happened in the sports as well. Uh, you, no if you look at it, if you look at the big picture, right, Malaysia is spending a lot of money on health. Okay, yeah. Kementerian Kesihatan spends the most money. Okay, yeah. and Malaysia is one of the fattest country in Asia. <laughs> okay, uh, if you look under KKM, their graph, uh, they are spending a lot on medications for diabetes, hypertension, and these are two diseases which you can easily overcome with sports. Staying That's active. true. <laughs> if you you know, if you support the development of sports in can be any sports, because again, it's not that everyone is going to play football or everyone is going to play uh, badminton. It can be any sports. If you support them equally, this is going to help you reduce the amount being spent in health. Mm. Either way, it's a win-win situation for the ministry. We may not be able to change the way things are done, um, you know, in the next year or the next uh, five years even, but to the ordinary person listening to this, what can we do to raise the bar in developing uh, sports talent or even just sports itself in Malaysia? Is there anything that uh, the ordinary person can do? Yeah. A a actually, what they can do is, for a start, educate mm. young ones today. Mm. What sport is about? How sports should be? What's the direction it should take place? share with them what we are doing like now i said we we are very lucky to have a coach like roshan who's passionate he's not even counting like how much i should get this that or he's just whenever i'm free i'm just giving some training this and all that right what if we can put that idea into the next generations right we have 10 of them from the 10 mm. of them they can pass on the same desire the same passion to the next generation and when that comes, hopefully someday there will be a the ecosystem in sports in this country mm. where people start looking back everything at passion. I want the sports to because I like the sports, not because mm. you're going to give me revenue back, ROI back. 
So this one all happens. Coach is passionate. When the ministers are passionate, when the association leaders are passionate, and how do you get all this in order? You educate the young ones because, mm. like what we always say, the young ones are the leaders of tomorrow, right? So you put them, plant them the right seed, the right idea, and hopefully they they resonate. Mm. I get it. You talked about like uh, knowing what you want, and when you know it, you do anything to get it right. So maybe you share what you want with other people, and maybe some of them will also want the same thing that you want. I got something to add on to that. Yes. So the other thing is is being brave enough to come out and raise your problems out there. Mm. The, there's there's a lot of people. So if you like, like, if if we go for a meeting now with all the national sports associations in Malaysia, you can easily handpick maybe just four or five of people with the name starting with Mister. The others are practically Tan Sri, Dato Sri, Tengku, Dato, right. and all of these people in there. Now, these people are never going to come up and say like, oh, the ministry is doing this wrong, the ministry is doing that wrong, because they are all friends with the ministry. But there are a lot of people down the association, or maybe they are athletes as well, where they see all these problems, but they are just keeping their mouth silent. They don't want to raise it out there because they are so afraid that it might affect them somehow. But if you think about it, if if someone would have never fought previously, would have never got our independence, right? Yep. If we would have never fought for what we won, we would have still been a third world country. Yeah. We we all start from down there and we fixed all those problems and we came up to where we are. And there's still problems. It's, there's never going to be a perfect system out there. Right. Can be sports, can be anything. Until people start complaining, you can only figure out a solution when there's a complaint. Right. Okay, like when I go for most of these meetings and people see me that I'm very vocal, I'm very, most of them say, hey, Roshan, you're very savage. I, I have no filters, I have no senses. Sometimes it's like, I see something wrong, I'll just voice out directly. I'm like a machine gun, I just shoot at people. Mm. And, and when people see me doing that, they tend to message me in that meeting itself, sitting at the other table, they'll message me and say like, can you ask for me this question or not? Mm. It's because these guys are so afraid to ask it for themselves that it mm. might affect them. They are just looking for other scapegoats to do it. But I'm just alone. If more people come out and more people raise yeah. their problems out and more people fight for it, things will change. If they don't ask for it, it will never change. Yeah. Okay. Does it ever get lonely? You know, being the only one like fighting the good fight. Actually, Yvonne, when, when you say, uh, does it ever get lonely? Yeah. It only gets lonely when you think that you're fighting a losing battle. Mm. Uh, then it gets lonely. Like when you're, like, again, it comes back to how passionate you are in what you're doing. So when you're really passionate about what you're doing, it doesn't even matter whether you're winning it. What is matter is at that point of time, you're standing up for what is right, what is just mm. at that point of time. So it's not going to be like, uh, oh, I'm I'm not going to say anything here today because I'm the only one here. So mm. I'm not going to say anything. It's not about that. It's about at that spur of the moment, you find something is not right, you mm. react to it. And when you are reacting to it, you don't go and see that, uh, am I the only one doing it? It doesn't matter. Mm. Do you want to do it? If you think that you need to do something about it, you just do it. And... For most of us who are actually in that 
uh, mindset, we actually have nothing to lose. What you'll be more is, uh, I would say, not lonely. You'll be knowing that you're fighting something mm. and you know that you're doing it right. And maybe on the other aspect, you can think is like, suppose, right, nobody is voicing out. So let's look at it in the bigger scale, bigger scale, okay? Today, with all these people like myself, Roshan, and whoever in the sports industry, in the business industry, in the education industry, they are all making noise. With this amount of noise made, our country situation is so bad. Mm. Imagine it's without the noises. Mm. <laughs> there will be no hope at all. Not at least true. now there's hope. Mm. Like you said, when the voice gets bigger, things will start changing. Mm. Start changing. Exactly like that, that girl, Noorain, right? Yeah. She talked yeah. about the, right. the, the teacher who made rape yeah. jokes. Yeah. Like they, they tried to kick out from the school, you know, they told her to quit. People were throwing negative uh, feedbacks on comments and all. But there are people starting to support her and now she's yeah. actually going through a winning battle. Things are going mm. to start changing. Like yeah. Mr. Ravi was with me with the most uh, recent VC Sukan Negara, uh, you know, uh, town hall when we went to. I raised up some concerns and I got shut off and they told me to sit down. But I when I came back home, I was so frustrated. I was almost giving up. Mm. And then the next day or that night itself, my girlfriend was actually sending me people who recorded videos, wow. put it onto Facebook, and I was getting a lot of support there. And I and I shared to Mr. Ravi and then. Next day, I was pumped up back, and here am I talking with you guys, which, what, what can we fix? <laughs> Yesterday night, I was actually flooding the VC Sukan Nagara, uh, uh, what is that, write your comments page. <laughs> I left about 15 new comments on how can they fix their system. Oh my. You know? So it's like, it's like uh, if you're really passionate about it, and if you think you're going the right direction, uh, you know, don't be too negative with taking advice from people, but if you always think that what you're doing is right, you fight for it. Mm. You should never, you know, uh, shy away from it and give up quite early. Mm. Yeah. Every battle is it's not it's it's never gonna be a battle if it's easy, right? That's yeah, why it's called a true. battle, right? You have to fight <laughs> through it to get what you want. Mm. You lose the battle, you win the war, right? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, but at least at least you at least you made your mark there. People yeah. will know that you know this was wrong and this person tried to do it. Maybe maybe I, I, I might die tomorrow i might die next week or so but someone else will say like oh this guy was actually fighting this battle and i think that i i can find new points to it i can make this better and you might raise someone else who fights my point another day hmm. like like this uh, pension for athletes thing and it's currently being talked about it with the olympic academy with the ministry and and it has even been proposed up to, into the parliament previously about getting uh, athletes pension but it all starts from one uh, discussion with a few group of passionate people about sports. Mm. The spark. Yeah. Thank you. That was very insightful. Um, we're coming down to the end of our episode. And as usual, we have surprise questions that we ask our guests. Okay. <laughs> okay. So first question, I guess this would be a bit more coaching related, but um, you can take this however you want. What's one piece of advice that you uh, that you would give to all athletes, regardless of the type of the sport they do, or even uh, maybe just something as a coach you've experienced that 
if they applied it, they would see uh, changes in themselves or the or their team, or benefit from this piece of advice. Sarabi, you want to say anything? <laughs> we we left the national coach. <laughs> uh, so for me, I've always been preaching. So I I I always do this for my side as a coach. I don't know if other coaches out there will agree. Is that eighty percent mentality? Yeah. Or 80% mindset, 20% training. A lot of athletes, they don't take it that way. It's always 80% training and 20% mindset. Mm. Uh, if your mind is strong, anything is achievable. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of the world champions out there, they always say that it's always a mind game. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to be a top athlete, your mind has to be very, very strong. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, a lot of people say this, right? Your mind is the strongest weapon. Mm. The mind is the one which created all the other weapons we use for wars. So using your mind, you can actually achieve anything you want. Mm. So if my advice to an athlete out there, if you really want to excel in whatever you're doing, uh, you know, be open to set your goals, try to achieve those goals, and it's all down to your mind. Mm. Uh, anything specific maybe that you would... Uh, let them know or recommend or suggest in terms of improving mindset. Mm. I I I I would uh, encourage them to have the right attitude. Mm. The attitude is very important. See, uh, in order to to do what's right, in order to be, the attitude must be there first. Meaning that you must be open to receive new things. You can be knowledgeable in what mm. is. But when you go training and say, this person is my coach, if the coach tells A to Z, I'm going to do that. That's okay. very important. Yep. So like um, just taking whatever the coach says or whatever feedback I get without judgment, seeing, seeing how I can take that and improve what I'm doing right now. Yes. Like now coach gives things at A to B, uh, A to Z. Mm. You do it. After you do it, there will be a session if the coach is... The, the coach that actually does his job, mm. there will be a session where the coach will be asking, okay, how you feel today's training? How is it? And all that. At mm. that juncture, you can tell the coach that, coach, I think this is a bit too easy for me. Uh, is there something uh, you can let me know why? There's, maybe the coach has his reason for that. So you can mm. say, hey, maybe today I'm not going to do for you so much of uh, strainers. Uh, it's meant for this, 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 and so on. And then he can Oh, so that's why you did this for me. All right. Rather than mm. coming and saying like, ah, I can do this. I need to do this. Mm. Attitude. The attitude is the key to everything. You don't have the right attitude. Mm. Nowhere. Okay. Mm. Athletes, athletes are supposed to trust their coach. You know, because yeah. no matter what happens, whatever the outcome is, the person who takes the responsibility is always the coach. Look at football. You have never seen players get terminated, right? It's always coaches being terminated True. when something goes wrong. True. <laughs> so as long as you follow the training plan set by the coach and everything happens as what has been taught or trained, then it's always going to be the coach's responsibility. Mm. Okay. So our last question and uh, second bonus question like bonus for you or bonus for us? <laughs> <laughs> both, both. Bonus for the listener also. Uh, so, so our last bonus question of this episode is um, 
to the ordinary person out there who may not be an athlete or may not even be interested in being an athlete uh, maybe yet, um, if you could give them an experiment to do for 30 days for a month, something that would uh, allow them to see what they're capable of maybe, uh, what would that be? Can I go? I like to talk this one. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. I, I used to give a lot of these challenges. I used to I used to do this thing called as Project Inspire. I just okay. wanted to inspire people to start living active. Okay. Uh, so naturally, our body can release a drug called as endorphin. Yeah. Uh, when you can work out continuously for 15 minutes and above, your brain starts, your body starts releasing this endorphin, which keeps you very energetic and happy. Mm. So it's like a, a, a stress drug. Mm. So a lot of these people, when you ask them, like, can you go for a jog or can you do exercise? They'll say like, no, I'm overweight. I can't do this. I'm too lazy. I'm too busy with work and all. But all they need is 15 minutes. Okay. So all you got to do that is challenge them for 30 days, spend mm. 15 minutes, or if can, just, just walk for three kilometers. Just do a breeze walk for three kilometers. Mm. And I will guarantee you after one month, you will continue doing it and you're going to be fit and healthy. Wow. Yeah, you awesome. can even... You can even play some music and dance at home for 15 minutes. Mm. You can do okay. skipping, you can just do yoga, you can mm. do Zumba at home. In fact, now is the best time because everyone is stuck at home lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> we are all doing land trainings at home. We, we, we can easily do like, you know, uh, two minutes of jumping jack, two minutes of mountain climber, two minutes of push up. Just, just mm. mix it up. You, know, you get 15 minutes, good enough. And I will promise you that you will feel good. Okay. Thank you so much, Ravi and Roshan. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you. It's been fun and very enlightening. Um, just before we go off, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you or to just look at what, you're, what you guys are up to? Um, do you have a Facebook or Instagram or can they reach out to you on email? Yeah, so uh, I will share for underwater hockey. Okay. Uh, we have a Facebook page, so you can look for Malaysia Underwater Hockey Association. Okay. Or you can uh, look for Malaysia Underwater Sports. Uh, we have a group and a community as well. Okay. And for Instagram, you can look for uh, UWH Malaysia or Underwater Hockey Malaysia. Okay. Uh, we have we have about four different Instagram. Uh, so the national one is UWH Malaysia. And we have all our state associations as well. And now oh. we have the new one, which is Fin Swimming Malaysia Instagram page as well. Okay. So do follow us. If you want to drop us a email for underwater hockey, you can look at uh, the email will be contact at uh, muha.org.my. So uh, contact at muha.org.my. All right. Okay. Uh, for Finns, uh, I think for Finns swimming email and uh, Malaysia underwater sports. Mr. Ravi, you want to share Ms. Uh, Malaysia underwater sports email? Malaysia underwater sports email is mas.fed. Fed. Federation, yeah, uh, at gmail.com. Gmail. Okay, we but we also currently most of the happenings are now in uh, underwater hockey, so we are all very linked with each other. Oh, you guys can just call me at six zero one two nine four five four three one zero. This is not for a date. <laughs> um. Yeah. Don't worry. We we will also put the emails and the links along with the podcast so, uh, and on our Instagram. So. Yeah, you can actually use my phone number because my phone number is the registered number for the association as well. Ah, okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, 
yeah once again thank you ravi thank you roshan uh, it's been you. great thank you for having thank us same and and we're raising fun for fin swimming oh <laughs> yes <laughs> well guys you you heard us we're raising funds um for all of you listening thanks for listening with us on the curious kaki show stay curious <laughs>